Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 482. In today's podcast, my guest and I are really deep diving the science aspect of how to create change in your life. She's going to share with you how she created a huge identity shift and was able to literally eradicate an autoimmune disease that was taking over her life. You are going to learn how to create your own identity shift in 2023. Welcome to today's podcast interview. I brought on Carlin Fisher. Carlin, welcome. Thank you, Heather. I'm excited. Please give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Okay, well, I'm a little bit of a virtual traveler. So right now I am currently in Tulum for a couple weeks before Christmas. And what I do is I call it neuro-optimization or mind sculpting. And I essentially help people re-engineer their headspace. So at one point in my journey, when I was in engineering school, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. And throughout this journey, the way I got myself out of this process was through my own program and building my own framework. So I essentially coach my clients on the science behind why their mind does what it does and how to restructure that and reframework that to essentially make them their optimal version of themselves to get what they want. I love that. And, you know, I love the science side of spirituality. I'm curious, do you follow or study like under Dr. Bruce Lipton or Dispenza? Yes, that's actually a lot of both where I learned it from. Like I love um, Dr. Bruce Lipton's quote, the one about like that you can literally change your thoughts through your cells. And I think it goes like if your mind sends signals to your nervous system and your nervous system redirects your blood chemistry and your hormones and whatnot and then tells your body what sends signals to tell your body what to do something on those lines then you can literally change the fate of your cells with your thoughts yes what i know about so i one i love dr bruce lipton because he's so light he's so fun he nerds out on this but i feel that he makes a very scientific um digest digestible and ultimately what i've gotten from uh, bruce lipton is you're right that um it's the environment that produces the cell and turns quote genetic things on and off based on the environment so we're not predisposed to quote genetic things like if your mom had heart disease or grandma had cancer that you're going to get it he actually debunks all of that yeah, and I think it's the, like the 20%, I can't remember if it's him or someone else, but I think it's him, the epigenetics, your 20%, the DNA you were born with, and 80% influenced by your environment, like you just said. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com, and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. I also offer one-on-one coaching. 
I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and apply, visit heatherhakes.com. Now, back to regular programming. But it's crazy because that's how much impacting you. Like you could have a 10% genetic code for that illness and you could have just grown it from there. Yeah. So before we get too scientific on all this stuff, I really want to keep it at a high level so people understand, one, that we are powerful co-creators of our reality. But two, I feel most of society is going through life unconscious, autopilot, through, you know, life's motions, living life on a hamster wheel, because I've been there, done that. And so where would you like to start to, one, help people understand that, whoa, you know, awareness is key, becoming aware of our thoughts, but we literally create our, quote, destiny, right? Right. I think a good place to start that I like to use is with Excel. A lot of people use Excel for work, and a lot of times you have a filter program for Excel where you're like, oh, I just want all these appointments on Monday. So you filter everything for that day, or you're looking for, let's say you're looking for numbers one to hundred and you're ignoring the rest of them. It's looking at a little higher level. There's different centers of your mind. One processes this much, which is your process, your conscious mind. One co- processes this much, which is your unconscious mind. So a lot of the times, unless you're actually being conscious of the things around you, you are going to miss them. And the reason you're going to miss them is because it's such processing such a small amount and it will only to help you see the things that you focus on because that's how it's designed. Do you um, talk much about the RAS, the reticular activating system? Yeah. Okay, let's, again, I'm going to give my high level per overview understanding of it, but I want you to give more technical stuff. So how I've learn to understand the RAS. As an example, I remember years ago when I was looking for a new vehicle at the time, I wanted a trailblazer. Yeah. And because I was now focused on trailblazers, I literally saw them everywhere. They were always there, but I might wasn't focused on them. And now that I'm focused, I see them everywhere. And so, you know, the, the saying is whatever you focus on expands. Can you explain RAS technically? Okay, I will do my best. So essentially, like you said, what you focus on grows and what you are seeing, you will continuously see. So your RAS kind of falls in the realm of neuroplasticity a little bit, because what happens is with your neural pathways, you have 100 billion neural networks, almost like if you look at the equivalent to a sky full of stars in your mind, and you ask yourself how many different ways is there to connect those dots, connect those stars together. And if you look at, like you said, with the trailblazer, once you start finding them and identifying that that's what you're looking for, that's like the filter processor, and that filter processor is going to find them all, and then it's going to keep connecting those stars together. And if you look at a spider web, too, if you can add that analogy on top of it, if you look at the way a web is weaved and how it takes those layers and layers, It is essentially the same thing that's happening with neuroplasticity combined with your RAS system because you're choosing something to focus on, you're looking for that focus, and then your mind is continuously growing in that direction, and then it's instantly going to keep finding it and find this loop over and over again. So it's the same reason why positive people keep growing that positivity and negative people keep not, and it's 
if you can detach from the judgment around that and understand why your mind's doing that, then that's the thing that can help you the most. Because sometimes if you look at that example of you try to be the person that wakes up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym, but you have more pathways or you've grown for years that you don't wake up at five. You just don't do it. I'm so not a morning you, person. Yeah. So if you are like, you have all these pathways that do not do that. Your brain is like, we do not do this. And then you go and try it and you try it once and you're like, ah, not for me. But if you can kind of understand that there's this zone and maybe we can talk about that a little later, but I call it the impact zone. And this impact zone is where your pathways are choosing different patterns, different frameworks, but you have to get over the threshold of that zone. AKA our comfort zone, right? Yeah. So just because you're not used to getting up at 5am and you did it one time, yeah, it might be difficult at first. But anything we do for the first time isn't easy. Riding a bike was not easy. Driving a car at first wasn't easy. And now we can do a million things, right? Change the radio, have a conversation, like live and drive an autopilot. Something that came to mind when you were sharing that I think is a very tangible thing to understand. Can we talk about with this neuroplasticity and, and the brain science? There are a lot of people struggling financially but they're focused on debt, scarcity, fear, lack, not enough, conditioning, programming, all the things, right? Can we give a real life tangible example on somebody who's currently in like broke, right? Or just getting by versus the an abundance mindset, which is possible for them. They're two different realities. Right. Can you walk so through that? I think, yes. So I think if you apply that, to let's look at debt and let's look at abundance kind of side by side. But if we look at debt, like that trailblazer, you're so focused on that because you technically don't want it, but you're so scared of having it and so scared of being it. That's all you can fixate on. So then you start looking for ways that you can accumulate debt or things that are bad. So you're walking around being like, oh, that's too expensive. Oh, I can't have that oh, I can't have this. Oh, I can't have this. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Oh, I shouldn't go on this trip. Oh, oh, shouldn't. And you're seeing all this way that you either don't have money for that thing, shouldn't put money down because you don't have enough money. And then you're kind of continuously to grow these pathways. So you're going to keep finding them. Whereas if you have an abundance mindset, what you can do sometimes is it's not like you're saying, hey, I have all the money in the world. I don't need any more. It's not like you're saying, like, hey, say you make, um, like by the time you pay rent and pay your bills and pay all your stuff, you only have X amount of money. And deep down, you might not actually love that. That's your point, that be all end all. You have room for growth. And you're still acknowledging that with the abundant mindset. But with the abundant mindset, you're looking at ways you can have wealth and ways you do have enough. Because in your mind, there's actually a science behind gratitude, even though you don't have exactly what you want, but it exists. Like you were able to probably pay your bills, shut off your lights, get to work, like do all these things that take care of you and do your house. But the trick is if you focus on abundance and wealth and how to continue to make more money, then what your RAS system is going to do is it's going to look for ways all around you that you can have that and it's going to grow them. So for example, say you're like going for drinks with friends at a bar. Maybe you're talking about something that you're working towards and you meet the right person to help you. Or maybe you're 
going to an event downtown and again you meet someone or you get an idea at that event from talking to someone because you're not focused on that depth you're focused on a different whole center of your brain so you're excited about it or maybe you're walking home and you remember that someone owes you money or that you have a client that could give you more money for this or maybe you realize hey if I invest this instead of this maybe I can do it. Or maybe you're lacking money, but you decide, actually, I don't like that gym membership I have. I want this one instead. And that one's going to impact me this way by doing this. It's just like that pivotal shift. And it's focusing on that. And it's finding ways for you to keep growing and keep getting out of it. Because a lot of times people don't always have the money to do stuff that you would think, but it's probably their pivotal moves that they did. Because if you look at entrepreneurs that usually start companies, they usually have to find a way to borrow the money to do the thing that they want to do. And if they stay in that like debt, don't do this, like that's scary mindset, they're yeah. probably not going to be successful at what they do. Well, and that's how you have a quantum leap, like just getting by or making 5,000. Look, I see this stuff all the time on YouTube, right? And but But these coaches are out there coaching how to do it. And it's not about strategy. And I feel like that's where people really get messed up. Like they go all in on the external, the strategy, trying to make it happen, where I believe it's an inside job. And ultimately what I hear you saying is like, if you can understand and apply the brain science to your life, that is how you get out of your own way. Because now knowledge is, I don't believe knowledge is power. I believe I applied knowledge is power. Can I ask you, I would like you to break this down. Now, this is something that came across my LinkedIn feed this week. And I think this is a perfect example because I'm seeing this often. And whether it's this area of life specifically or something similar, I feel like listeners are going to understand what we're talking about. So can I share this person's story? That's what it is. It's a story. So maybe we can talk about stories. But mm -hmm. I want to share this person's story. And then I would love for you to break it down and explain why they're stuck in this rut. Okay. So this person posts on LinkedIn publicly, right? Just reaching out again in hopes that my post will reach, quote, the right person, quote. I'm going on, so here, here are the details. I'm going on nine months unemployed, three months without unemployment. Now on one month of zero funds, I've exhausted all of my money and cannot pay bills. I have 12 years, you know, now she's giving experience. I have 12 years mortgage experience, data entry. I can learn anything looking for leads. So I took from it, obviously, a lot of fear, desperation, focused on what's not working. And now she's created nine months of this negative feedback loop. Yeah. And then I think also, like you said, it's okay. I lost my job. I don't have a job. If you start right there from that center, I need a job. And there's scarcity around it. And that's valid because that's your security. But what you want to focus on doing is you want to give your mind the safety, security, and consistency. It needs to get out of that state. Otherwise, it'll just keep cycling through it. Yeah. So right now you're stuck in that unfamiliar state of not having a job and the scarcityness. And then you're probably going to look for jobs, but you're probably staying up 
countless hours and probably have your mind and thoughts going haywire as you continue throughout your day. And then you're probably trying to work till like 11 p.m., looking at your blue light, trying to get out of the state that you're in because you don't like it. But then as you have that scarcity mind, you're probably applying to different jobs. And even sometimes the approach you have that you're applying with will probably be different. You'll be in a different center of your brain and you'll be in that limbic fight or flight fear center instead of that strategic prefrontal cortex, which is your strategic higher level thinking, which you really want to be in to strategize your way out of this because your fight or flight is designed to engage you and it's to send you a signal that says, hey, we don't like where we are. Like this is a fear. This is a stressor and that's okay. But how we operate for the next bit, we want to, we want to create this awareness and reset this system over here. Because if we can be in this center over here, this is the best version for us to solve that problem over there. It's not that we don't want to not acknowledge that we are, that that is a stressor, but it's the way we tackle it and strategize against it that activates that center of our mind that keeps us going. Because like you said before, you could miss opportunities. You're probably, even when you do your resume sometimes, if you have that scarcity, like small mind, you're probably not going to like make your cover letter the same. You're probably not going to send it to the same type of people. You may not do the same power moves because you have such a fear base that you don't want to mess anything up along your journey. And then every time you kind of stay in that, you're proving to yourself that that's where you are and you're kind of creating that loop of infinite thoughts. Two things just came to mind while you were sharing that. And now I want people to listen and understand right now we were talking about money and now we're talking about this scarcity about trying to find a job, but literally this can be any area of life looking for a home. If you're single, wanting to be in a relationship, it doesn't matter the condition we're saying it's all the same neural pathways, but two things came to mind. One, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again. I think that's the right. Albert Einstein. I believe right. so. But the point is like, look, that one way of thinking got us into this rut, this funk, this negative feedback loop. And when you're in that stress, fight or flight, when you're in that analytical, logical mind that got you into it, trying to use that same thing to get you out of it, it's not going to work, right? Right. And that's what I feel like sometimes when I was younger, I used to be an overthinker and I used to think about something so much that I decided it was good. And then I could think about it some more and decide it was bad. And then I could flip it back good, but I didn't move in that whole time period. And you just like tire your body out. Like what they say is that you running from a mountain lion is just as bad as you thinking you're running from a mountain lion. Yeah. So like you said, if you stay in that overthinking, analyzing state, you don't might not mean to, and you might think I got to think my way out of this. So you kind of go full force, but sometimes it's paying attention to where you can be fixed and where you can adapt. And how do you apply that and keep making that your framework that you lived your life through? Well, and are you familiar with Tony Robbins? Yes. So T Tony always says, in your head, you're dead. And I think of it like when you feel that monkey mind, that mental chaos, that stress, that is a time to pause, to walk away, to come back to it, to change your focus. You know, there's so many different ways we can approach this. But the second thing that came to mind when you were sharing all of that is, do you share or talk much about energy and frequency, the energy of our thoughts and feelings? 
I do actually a okay. bit. And actually, funny enough, when I was in engineering school, that's where I really started to tie the worlds together because they talk about energy over here. And then I went to yoga school and they talk about this energy over here. And okay. most of the time you act like that energy from engineering that we use to like fuel our houses, like do all this stuff in our society is different than this chakra energy that they talk about in yoga. And then I don't know if you've ever heard of neurofeedback, but in neurofeedback, they actually look and attach you to those frequencies and adapt them. Okay, let's let's do that. Let's bridge the worlds. But I love as an well, if you know dispensa, quantum physics. We live yeah. in an energetic universe. Thoughts and feelings create energy. So the example we were given about that person posting out a job, freaking out, a lot of stress, broke now. They're yeah. putting out this very low vibe frequency and the job and the money they want is on another frequency and there's a disconnect. Yes. Now I want you to explain it. Can you talk more about energy, frequency, and how we can like get back in the driver's seat of our life? Sure. So let's talk a little bit about electric fields that you learn in engineering. So there you learn about magnets and you look at, learn about magnetic fields and you do the math behind strings and doing the math behind the strings, you look at their wavelength, their radius, all this stuff. And you look at where two strings are playing side by side and how one will naturally match the other. And that is the law of vibration. And that is what they talk about your frequencies and how one frequency will always match the other and it will continuously grow and that's just a scientific phenomenon that they studied and they've utilized and they use it for your phone they use it for different brain machines at the hospital like mris they use it for the frequencies to see your brain waves on that scanner they use it for all that stuff over here but in the energy world they look at how you have energy systems or energy meridians on your body and it's interesting because you can jumpstart a car but you jumpstart a heart with the fibrillator. And they have this science field called heart math. And it's interesting because in heart math, they look at the frequency of your heart and the vibration of it. And then they look at the frequency of your mind. And with your mind, what's happening is when you have the neurons that fire together, that wire together, that thing that you hear, what they're doing is when they're wiring, they're actually creating your own field. And within your own field, what's happening is you're admitting frequencies based on your thoughts. And as you have these thoughts, then you go around and you attract two things around you because like the law of attraction says with all these magnets and like those strings, they have the math, they have the research that they'll always vibrate the same or one will go lower than the other, et cetera. So when you, with your mind, you have this little electric field within you that you get to utilize and you get to walk around and see what you match with all day long. And one thing that I think about is a lot of times when you're on the street and someone's asking you for money or you might be in an area that doesn't feel necessarily safe, one thing that you do is you get really small. You always look away or you get really small or you kind of have that area because there's just some sort of uncertainty around that person. And if you look around, they actually talk about how your biofield, your human field extends six feet around you. And the six feet field is interesting because you don't actually want anyone to be in it. So sometimes you'll have someone and you'll be walking beside them on the street and you won't want to be near them. They're not touching you, but for some reason, you just don't even want to have them within that perimeter of you because they're impacting your field, your frequency that you give off. 
So your mind is essentially sending and receiving information all day long and it's matching the frequencies that you project and then with that neuroplasticity and that reinforcement it's just reinforcing them over and over again and that's why a simple way to explain this you know how people say you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with why or tony robbins says proximity is power if you're hanging out with those kind of vibes frequency thought patterns kind of like if you think about it you, your circle of friends, you guys probably all make similar monies. But if you're currently making 50 grand a year and you want to make a hundred grand a year, well, you'd have to literally quote, raise your frequency, your vibe, your thought, create these neural pathways of somebody living on a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle, right? Right. And like the fastest way to that is to hang out with them because you'll make the same decisions as them. You'll do similar things. As long as you're not hanging out with the one that's like, oh, fake it till you make it. Like we're going to go spend yeah. this much money that we don't have. But if you're hanging out with the one that's like, how do I get this money? What do I have to do? And if you watch their thinking, and I'm sure you have a friend that goes home and watch Netflix, but you have another friend that's like, yeah, I'm going to work on this big project then you're more like, huh, should I go work on my big project too? And yeah. you might sway towards that person because they have what you want and you keep going down that path. But if you take the one where you do the same rut over and over again and try to defend that rut, then you're just reinforcing it more. Now, I'll give my personal example. I realize that people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And during my own growth and involve, evolvement, especially these last couple of years, I have had to remove myself from social circles because it wasn't going in the direction. I don't want to get drunk on weekends, uh, talk about not, like that just wasn't where I was going anymore. And there is no judgment. I believe we're all on our own journey, our own path. But I feel like somebody who's listening and understanding this People fear change. And I'm like, you don't fear change. You fear the unknown, right? Because mm -hmm. change is the only constant. So what would you offer somebody that is like, this is making sense. And they're realizing, well, I might need to change my circle. And well, you need to unsubscribe from different things in life, right? Like the news or different social platforms or um, content and what, like you need to be mindful and intentional on what you're taking in. Where does someone even start? I think for what you said, I would start on what I want most and who I want to be most and that identity of who you want to embody and then yeah. go from like the final of who that person is and go down. And it's like, would that person, like, would that person subscribe to that email list? Probably not. Would that person do this? Probably not. Would that person do that? Probably not. Like start with that identity of it. But then, like you said, you have this disconnect of who you want to be in that fear of the unknown. So one of the things that I have learned and one of my takeaways that I do frequently to myself is I learn when I really want something and I start to get worried about it because it's outside that next step, right? You're always going to have a next step as you keep going, but it's to find a way to create safety, consistency, and security around that thing. And what I mean by that is your mind likes certain routines. So maybe it's you're going to apply for a new job, or maybe you're just going totally outside your field. It's what can you create? Maybe it's like a five minute little routine before you do that thing that gives you the consistency and safety, safety and certainty that your mind likes to take steps to do that. Or maybe when you're traveling, 
you usually don't like going to new places or meeting new people. But again, it's like, what, what do I find safe, consistent, and certain in my life? And how do I apply that to these little steps as I keep going? Because that is the disconnect between here and here. It's walking in here with the uncertainty and the unsafety. So if you can find ways to provide little cues for your mind each step of the way, that's going to help you instead of you sometimes when you're like, okay, tough love, you can just do it. Sometimes if the tough love isn't working for you and you jumped off the cliff and you're freaking out, sometimes that safety, consistency, and certainty can be the thing that impacts you the most. Well, I think even on that note, I don't think you can't, you can't over willpower that neuro programming, right? Right. Because that's the conscious mind, a desire, a wanting to push and resist. But if you don't understand that 95% programming, you cannot override that with enough willpower. Right. I think that it's figuring out, like you said, that I have a wall here. How do I pivot around this wall? Because I feel like a lot of times with physics, it's like a any force you exert will just come back at you that same level. Yeah. So a lot of times you will always try to will your way. And I think if you don't have any interferences or neural pathways holding you back, there's certain things where you can will your way through that you're like, well, I did it last time. I did it this way. But there are certain categories in your life where you have neural pathways holding you back in that aspect that you need to work on before you pivot forward. Okay, question, because I think... uh you know, I don't want this to be too technical. And now look, we nerd out on this stuff. I think we're fully immersed in it. But something that you touched on, you hinted at was identity shifting. And I think that's what feels tangible and a takeaway is understanding your current identity, as Dispenza says that your personality, the way you think, you know, your feelings, emotions creates a state of being, your personality is creating your personal reality. And what we're sharing here, it is that identity shift. So going from 50,000 a year to 100,000 a year, going from, um, you know, broke to abundant, single to relationship, like the, the opposite of where you're currently at is going to be an identity shift. Do you have some steps or processes? What do you walk clients through or what are you teaching to help bridge that gap? Can you, the gap between their identity like, now and the identity they want? Yes. Okay. So what the first step you want to do is have the awareness between these two disconnects is the first thing you really want to break down is building that awareness between what you were doing, what you want to do next. And then that is where you want to keep building. You might have this action steps over here, but it's interesting you want to focus on one big thing. So for example, if you were going to run a marathon and you were going to ask what a marathon runner does, and maybe you're a smoker, you'd probably be like, oh, they don't smoke. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't do that. And they don't do that. So it's identifying with that one big shift, how you can actually overcome all these habits in one step by that identity. So I can break that down a little further. But it's looking at, say, for example, you want to be an entrepreneur and you're like, okay, this is who I am right now. This is what they're doing. But it's about having sure you write down a list of qualities they have. But as you start to take the steps to be that 
person and find that one thing, that one area of growth that they have that you want, you'll start to start doing the stuff that they would do. And it's not just one of the things that they would do. It's you'll do five of them, but it's finding that one key thing about that category that you can pivot your whole world around. Can you give an example of maybe an area of life you've done that in? Sure. Okay. Um, so with my health, so for example, I used to be super sick and I agree with Heather, like you create your own reality, like you're in that state, you're in that stuckness. So for me, you want to, as identifying as that sick person, what do you do? Well, sick people probably shouldn't exercise too hard because they might get run down. Sick people probably should not eat certain foods because that will make it worse. Sick people should probably not go to this event. Sick people probably worry about being sick. So you're not going to keep doing that. So if you look at, like, say, for example, a healthy version of yourself that you want to become, like that ideal version and what they are doing and how they are growing, is asking yourself that future you, that version of you that is the healthiest one, how do I attain something you have? And let's say, for example, the skills that I had that I wanted were I wanted to be able to eat anything healthy that I wanted to. I wanted to be able to work out and push myself hard. I wanted to be able to, to work full work days. I wanted to be able to go on trips and travel. I wanted to do all of these things. So those are the components of what I'm focused on. But with that, that identity, if you focus on one of those things first, so say, for example, you're looking at what they're eating towards, what you're going to do is you're going to break it into that small step just by accident. And that's because you're going to realize the connection between these two people and all the things that will naturally apply to you as you go to the next level. And because you had an autoimmune disorder, right? Correct. Or Okay. So you yeah. had an, and you no longer have that. No. How long did it take to go from this autoimmune condition, personality, identity? Yeah. To understanding this neuro programming and changes you needed to make. You closed that gap. How long did it take? And what are you doing different today versus that old version of you? So how funny enough, I closed that gap was I didn't just try to be, for example, when I kind of hit a corner, I worked on it for six years of like trying different supplements and different products just on my own. And then I actually kind of hit up that pain point. And at that pain point, I decided that I was going to make sure I wasn't sick and anyone in my family wasn't going to be sick and that I could handle this. So I actually sought out to be my own practitioner and take courses to do that. So like you said, if you are a practitioner and you're identifying is that, what are they doing and how are you taking those steps? So then I started that new path where I had all this research that I could access at my fingertips to help me along my journey. And it took me about nine months to get certified in this category. But every day, my identity wasn't just a healthy person. My identity was the person that could heal you and the person that had the resources to do it. So Funny enough, I wanted to be just a healthy person, but I actually ended up being this person over here. And that's how I found my health at that level. So it took me, I would say about a month to start noticing significant, significant changes. 
because of the protocol that I was doing and I was working on my mind and my nervous system and I was resetting myself. I was doing all of these things right to get there. And then some of the habits that I used to do that I no longer do is one, I used to wake up and just start my day. I usually used to meditate for like five minutes, but then after that, I would go like straight to work and I would just engage fully in my fire flight while I answered emails. And I didn't have any boundaries. I had very people-pleasing mentalities. I only wanted to be seen as successful in a certain way. And I was very good at being seen that way, but I was not ever seen as a failure because that was part of like my identity of my path. So everything revolved around those key principles and characteristics around what I do, or I would work a 16 hour work day instead of going to the gym because my boss really needed me to, or you'd kind of do certain things like that. Or I used to work for hours and hours and not take a break because I was so geared and focused, but I didn't realize I was firing up that fight or flight center in my brain that was slowing me down and holding me back. So now what I do is I wake up every day and I meditate for longer than that. I usually start my morning a little slower and a little adaptive to kind of give myself that grace period. And then I work in my prime hours and really go full force into that. I always try to reset myself and notice when I'm in that fight or flight because your scarcity, like you have five times the neuroceptors for a scarcity thought. So it's not that they aren't going to come and it's not that people that are motivated and doing this don't have them. It's that they reset them because you are the summation on what you're focusing on, which is what growing and how you reset it. So I have little points throughout my day where I make sure I'm resetting it and I watch the steps that I take to that next level because sometimes when you're trying to go from here to here, you take a huge leap and then you get right into that scarcity level and then you just like go away from the whole project. Whereas when I start to build the awareness and have that internal intuition, like you were saying of like that mind, body, spirituality connection, then I can start to graze myself out of it. And my autoimmune was in my gut and you have five times the neuroreceptors or sorry, you have way more gut receptors going from your brain, from your gut to your brain than you do from your brain to your gut. And what that means is your gut picks on vibrations before your mind even does. So my gut is my sensory point. And it's the point that I utilize, like when something is wrong, I listen to it and use that as my tool to navigate the rest of my day. Okay. I would just like to highlight, again, this is my perspective. What you really shined a light on there is that old version of you was living life in autopilot, going through life's motions, living in high stress, which is the number one cause of any dis-ease in the body. You were seeking all these external things, supplements, whatever, until you gained the knowledge and applied it. You said a practitioner of your life. You applied it and realized, whoa, this is an inside job, right? Like you became intentional, mindful. Guys, if, if you listen, she's really sharing how she's intentional. She wakes up not going through life's motions. She's like building self-care and building herself up. And then she works in her prime time. She gives it all, but you're not living in that stress mode 24 seven. Oh, because I, I already did it. And that stress mode I've already killed, right? Like I already yeah. died in that mode. Really? I couldn't do it whereas if your your flow state does not exist in that stress mode your flow state is where you can and your flow state is also your intuition that higher level 
state over here. Whereas yeah. when you operate in that one, like you said, the autopilot, like the should story, like high alert all day long one, you're not yeah. getting anywhere. Yeah. I feel like this is something we could probably talk about for like six hours a day, you know, six <laughs> hours and just get to the tip of it. What I want to know is, can you walk us through maybe some daily <laughs> intentional practices you do? Because, you know, I know a lot of this is scientific and it's new to some people, but we want to get them started. We want to get them going. So what is it like, if you could only name a couple things, like three things or, or somewhere to begin and what are you doing daily? Okay. The first thing that I would say is I know people will be like, okay, I tried meditating for five minutes. And they'll be like, oh, I kind of checked in. But the check-in state is different than who you want to be. And for example, I went to the gym today and I didn't feel like it at first. And once I was five minutes in, I didn't want to leave, right? Like you kind of hit those thresholds throughout the day. But the one thing to remember is after you meditate, you might have the awareness of where you are at, but you really like Joe Dispenza says, you really want to prime yourself to be in that next state, which is what you're focusing on that day and seeing yourself do those little steps and those little actions, even if you're afraid to do them. Because what you're doing is when you visualize yourself, for example, doing something you've never done before or doing that interview or asking those investors for money and you've never asked anyone for that much money before, when you're visualizing yourself doing it and you're staying in that state, you're creating those neural pathways to connect to it the next time you do that, which will be real life. So it's just that rehearsal and it's creating again, that state for later. It's creating that safety and consistency for later. So that is the first thing you wanna do because a lot of times when you look at what you've done today and what you're planning to do tomorrow, there's a disconnect in your level, probably, most likely. It's probably doing new areas. So that is the first thing that I do every day. The second thing that I really try to do is create a night routine because I like thinking a lot. I will find sometimes I will even like write notes for clients. I'll come up with like these little things where I'm supposed to be falling asleep. Whereas if you create a little routine that can take five minutes before you go to bed, you are creating that quiet time and that space for your mind to actually shut down. It's not just for kids, funny enough. It's the safety and consistency your brain likes to allow you to sleep so you can shut down that high stress. And then the third thing I like to do is I have little interruption reminders on my phone. So they're little calendar events that go off and they don't ding at me, but it's just when I pick up my phone, I see my little thing that says like, take a couple deep breaths and check in to see what I'm thinking about. Because say, for example, you reach a client or you have an event, or maybe you're an investor, or maybe you're a trader and you lost money. Anytime you were supposed to make X amount of money and you didn't, the first thing you probably, you're probably upset you're probably feeling that state here. But if you don't check in with that two hours later, like we just said, you're missing all that opportunity that you could have pivoted or created something else. Or if you don't check in later, you could still be in it the next day. And then like Joe Dispenza says, the next day turns into months and you're in a mood. So it's creating that little system. Your phone pretty much tells you how to run your life. So just create one for you and one for your mind. And mine goes off six times. Like in the morning, midday kind of, and it doesn't actually interrupt me. It's just when I see it and I look at it, but it helps really reconnect to that cue of like, what are you thinking about it? And is that person or that higher level identity of you supposed to be thinking about that and supposed to be fixating on that path? And is that where you're going to grow? Yes. 
similar to you, I have multiple daily alarms with an affirmation and a song tied to it. And even if I just break for 15 seconds to get me back in the, but look, you guys were very intentional and mindful and something, you know, I think we could probably do a whole episode on this. One thing you said was mental rehearsal. And we know the power of mental rehearsal because um, I think it's even throughout all of Dr. Joe's book, you are the placebo that people that only visual mentally visual um, rehearse, like playing the piano or doing bicep curls mentally rehearsed it still strengthened literally that muscle only through mental rehearsal. And so that's why we know pro athletes, the power of visualization, imagining catching that touchdown or getting first place or what, I mean, that is the power of our mind. Right. And I think like you said, some people are like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do that. But even you just saying like the science behind you actually getting stronger for doing it, like don't ignore that science. Because I know that you're like, oh, I don't want to rehearse. Oh. But like for me, I always have to know the why, the science why to do something. Because a lot of times like that's not appealing all the time, right? You're not like, I can't wait to fake practice this before I do it. You're like, oh, I need to study, I need to read my notes, I need to do this. But it's like, if you know your why, like why that rehearsal is doing that for your neural pathways and why that's going to help you do this over here, then you'll do it. But if you don't know your why, you're like, oh, cool, that's nice. But I'll probably skip that part. Yes, I love that. Okay, I feel like we've touched on so much. And honestly, I would like to have you for hours. But if you could only give listeners like a key takeaway, what do you want them to get? I think the key takeaway from all this, what we're talking about here is, and what Heather talks a lot about is the consciousness. And I think it's to, as you grow your comfort zone, you're going to start to notice that your mental consciousness starts to change and grow. And there's all these worlds and all these science fields. Like I said, the bridge between engineering science and the bridge between yoga science, the energy fields all exist, but there's a consciousness disconnect between them so as you kind of keep going with Heather and following her podcast and she keeps talking about consciousness it's just to start to realize that you can just take one step and you can stand at that point sometimes what happens is we act like we're at a cliff and you either jump or you don't but sometimes it's just taking that one step forward and deciding like huh I could believe that okay that makes sense and then you're building this whole other reality that you didn't know existed but at one point you're shocked at that person that didn't know so understanding that through that consciousness is how you re-engineer your headspace or how you reprogram yourself long term the visual i got with that was like right now most people are living like very narrow-minded because they don't know we don't know this stuff yet right so living very narrow-minded this very small path but once you start learning I just think like live in a state of curiosity. So you start learning this and you open your perspective and open and like take the blinders off. And now you have this whole new world and capability available to you. That's what yeah, I see and, it. And it's exactly like you said, it's just unlimited and you don't know it's there and you don't know till yes. you do. And yes. at one point in my journey, I was crushed that no one ever told me this. Like I was heartbroken that I was growing up and someone would have taught me before I was 19, like, hey, kids, you might be motivated, you might be an overachiever, you might be doing all these things, but you're going the wrong way. And like, if you could open this book or see the right stuff, you could start to help yourself this way. But a lot of the times you get there by getting there. Yeah. 
for sure. All right. I would love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Okay. First being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? One of the quotes or the mottos that I live by, uh, by um, Carl Jung, actually, and it's until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Ah, yes. Oh, I love that. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? The book that I'm reading, I've read it before, but I got it for my birthday, so I'm rereading it. And funny enough, it is The Power of Habit, and I'm rereading it. I love rereading stuff, but one of my favorite parts is about the football coach that turned his team around just from brain cues. So if you're interested in watching it, it just kind of has the scientific part of changing your brain. Cool. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? The advice that I would give my younger self is, I think, just to, I don't know, any advice I would take to get me on this journey faster. But I think if I could just turn them on to like one idea, like Joe Dispenza or like, hey, just start to realize that the world is so much bigger and more conscious when you're living outside of the should stories. But anything that I could give my younger self to just take one step on the right path to build that curiosity to keep going because you get there, right? It just takes longer, but it would have been nice to have it at 15 and be down that journey. For sure. Thank you so much for joining me today. I loved this conversation. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. I like your question. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave me a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.